Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast where we take a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. The week 13 recap show this is, um, all 14 matchups in the rearview mirror including just a few moments ago the Patriots uh, taking sole position of first place in the AFC Conference with a divisional win at Buffalo. Um, a wild and windy night in Orchard Park, 14 to 10, the final score. A lot to break down from that matchup. Get on to the rest of the Sunday slate. Um, take a look at our locks, playoff file, um, seedings, and so on. There's a lot to get through. We're getting to the towards the pointy end of the season now. It was entering December. My name is Vaship. Joining me as always is Gordon Beat. Um, and Gordo, it's fair to say one of the more interesting 14 to 10 games we just witnessed. Yeah, no, I mean, any time a team wins while throwing, what, three passes, it's going to be. I mean, even if it's not necessarily entertaining, it's definitely intriguing. So, yeah, quality matchup. And I think we'll start right there. Mac Jones, three passes. It was clear. I think the Patriots outcoached the Bills by quite a, a large margin in this game. Um, Bill Belichick, um, a lot of talk on the telecast reminds me of when he was with Navy, his father, obviously a big influence there. And it was old-fashioned, hard-nosed football. I mean, you look, Damien Harris... 10 rushes, 111 yards, and the score, obviously the long 64-yarder, which got them on the ball, the two-point conversion. How crucial was that towards the end? Um, kind of had them a point ahead of the Bills a few points. Um, Monde Stevenson carried it 24 times. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, three. I mean, Mac Jones had one completion and one attempt throughout most of the game and then a couple in their last drive. Um, but the win was such a big factor. The Patriots um, go against the win in the first quarter, and the third, and essentially their game plan, Gordo, was when Buffalo had the wind, they were going to keep the ball, they were going to keep position, they were going to have long drives, they were going to run the game clock down every on every snap. Um, you know, and that came up good, and it meant that when Buffalo needed to take the lead in the last quarter, they were driving, you know, a long way, uh, you know, against a, a gale force. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at what the Bills were doing. I think we've seen all year they don't have a running game and they weren't able to control the game, and that, that's probably what lost it for them in the end. So, yeah, New England being able to just hold that possession. They were able to take their time with it. I mean, it, it takes a total buy-in from everyone on the team to do it as well. You've got to tell, I think they talked about it during the broadcast, at least on the Manning cast, you've got to get your receivers to buy into it. You could, a lot of players might not enjoy it. They might think, okay, what's the point? But it worked. It got the team to win. Um, interestingly, the time of possession isn't that lopsided. Usually if you've got one team running the ball that much, chewing that much clock, it's going to be fairly one-sided, but realistically, 32 minutes to 28, it's not that bad. It's just that they, I'm not sure exactly what it was. They just managed to use it better. I mean, I'm surprised too. I mean, you look at it, what is it, 27, 28 minutes, essentially, Bills, 32 Patriots. They had those two long drives late, the Bills. The first one, um, they get down. They have what looks like, I think it was third and 10. It looked like an offside. It wasn't called. It certainly jumped, whether or not it jumped into the neutral zone. Um, is the question. Uh, they don't call it. And then on fourth down, the ball on the right hash. I mean, I think Tyler Bass has a lot of responsibility for it. There was a clear wind. Um, you kind of aim for the middle and it zoomed off to the right. You feel like if perhaps he'd aimed a bit more to the left, but, you know, we're not kicking experts. They miss that. That means it's still a two-possession game. The defence does its job as it did for, uh, I'd say, much of the second half. I mean, the Patriots had three points only in the second half. Um, ball goes back to Buffalo. They work their way down. Then uh, there's a big... False start penalty um, on, I think it was second and 10, so put them back long third down. I mean, another drive, they went down, they had a big sack, which ended a drive. Gordo, when it came to it, down in the red zone, when they were down by two positions because of a missed field goal, because the Patriots went for two when they scored their first touchdown, um, 
they couldn't get it done. And I mean, we, we've been saying for a long time, the Patriots are probably the, one of the best secondaries in the league. We talk about JC Jackson, their ability to pick the ball off. No picks tonight, but um, defending passes, Dawson Knox had a couple knocked away, a couple he could have caught, but um, that one in the end zone, it was the third, third down play, got the second last one, um, was just about as well defensed as you see. And that's a credit to the defensive coaching staff and namely Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, it was an incredible play. I mean, you got Josh Allen running around for what seemed like, what, 10 seconds, something like that, getting out a couple of sacks. And so often you see a play like that end with some sort of heroic catch. And this time they just managed to um, stop it. I mean, the, the fourth down play was even more impressive. I mean, you've got him probably wide open in the end zone. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Gabriel Davis. I think almost wide open in the end zone. And I can't remember who the Patriots DB was, but he breaks off one route and comes back to cover the other. It's just... This defense knows exactly what they're doing. They're so intelligent and they just played it perfectly all night. Yeah, interesting one to see because I, I know the first read was certainly open across the middle, uh, Beasley, but I thought the second receiver, the pass would have been behind him anyway. Obviously, we'll have to go back and watch a replay over that one, but you're absolutely right. The football IQ and the instinctiveness of the secondary um, is second to none in the league. And again, that's down to coaching. You're right about the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen, their leading rusher again had some big rushes, got a penalty. I mean, you look at the Bills' only touchdown, um, that came off, uh, going back a bit, this is the first half, that came off a special teams muff, right? So this New England defense basically gave up nothing. I mean, that special teams muff gave them the ball around the 20. That was on a punt uh, off the helmet. Um, they recover it there. Otherwise, the, the offense, again, until the last quarter, wasn't able to get that much going. Later on, um, they settled for a field goal eventually, but I think it was, would have been fourth and two after Allen was pushed out of bounds. They call it as a penalty. He was still in the air. He hadn't touched out of bounds. It's not a penalty. Um, that could have been very costly if the Patriots were to lose. Ultimately, that's not the case. Um, but again, Gordo, New England, that, that lack of a run game and putting everything on Allen and obviously some of his throws with the win. He was better than Jones, obviously more suited. Um, you know, hit Diggs a couple of times. Some great catches by Stefan Diggs, but... Aside from that, it was clear that their offense just, despite playing as an outdoor team and all this, their offense with not a strong run game isn't really suited to it. Yeah, no, and it's what we saw all of last year as well. It's just that they managed to get the passing game going a lot more last year, but they didn't really invest in the run game over the offseason, and we're seeing the problems now. I mean, they're just, all the year, it feels like they just haven't been able to move the ball on the ground at all. If they're getting rushing yards, it's from Josh Allen, with their designed runs or scrambles. But outside of him, I mean, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, Matt Breeders even come in. He, he's played decently, I think, the last couple of weeks, but then he gets one touch tonight. I don't know what their ground game is at the moment, and I think until they get it figured out, they're not going to be doing much. Indeed. Um, I mean, we'll start with the Patriots. You mentioned nine-win team, the only one in the AFC. Obviously, they'll have a bye next week because they are um, played one more than everyone else. Um, sole position of the ones that you've got, the Titans. You've got the Chiefs and you've got the Ravens all the game back, and it's quite crowded going back from there, particularly the wild card races. The Bills, you feel they have to beat the Pats um, in Foxborough. I mean, unless something goes seriously wrong for New England, it'll be that game. If the Bills win that one because of their division record they will edge the pats if they have if they have a similar the same record come the end of the season if they don't win it you can pretty much give the division away to the pats um i mean and the bills have to play tampa bay next week Gordo. that's not going to be easy and um, we said it wasn't an easy run home i mean tampa bay then carolina game then new england they finish easy but um you know if they lose that tampa bay game even if they go and win in new england there's a chance that um new england can win that division 
Yeah, no, but I think right now you've got to have New England as the favourites there, potentially even for the one seed in the whole conference. So Buffalo is going to be struggling. I think they, at this point, they're probably going to end up that wild card spot. I think they're probably better than a couple of the other wild card teams, so they should be able to keep that fifth seed. But yeah, we've seen the AFC. There's so many teams fighting for that spot. A couple slip ups and Buffalo's in trouble. Yeah, the other game crucial is uh, coming out of the bye, New England play the Colts, who are also coming out of the bye. We'll talk about what they did on Sunday. But um, I think you'll find it's going to come down to that game um, between the two in New England in week 16. Uh, and the winner, you know, as you say, wins the division, and that is a massive advantage, playing their games at home. Okie dokie. That was Monday Night Football. We had the Manning cast taking a break for three more weeks. So sorry, Gordo, you've got to watch the uh, regular telecast, but it should be a cracker next week. The Rams at the Cardinals. There are a couple of games back. Um, so even if they win, they would need the Cardinals to slip up again. Um, and I mean, have they got a divisional loss? So, you know, the Rams are very much an outside chance to win the division, Gordo. But if they're going to win it, they need to beat the Cardinals next Monday night. Yeah, no, it should be a really entertaining game. Uh, the game earlier on in the year, um, it was pretty good from memory. I mean, it, I think it blew out a bit in the end, but hopefully we see a high scoring, entertaining game. I think they were both 4-0 or both 3-0 in that game. And as you said, both teams back in form now. We will get on to them shortly. Okie dokie. Uh, let's move to the uh, Sunday slate, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We always do it a little bit less this game. There were some standout performances, and then there were some uh, quite a few games where we kind of got what we expected. Them. One of the games where we didn't get what we expected um, was certainly in Detroit. Um, we've talked about the Lions. Gordo, we did an extravaganza show last week. I believe you couldn't find a win for them. I could, but I thought it would come later on. Well, it has come this week. First time in 364 days. They have a win over uh, the Minnesota Vikings. We're on to them later. But um, they obviously win in the last second play. Again, we'll get onto the game later. But the point is, Gordo, um, at this stage, Detroit, after so many losses, Dan Campbell, he hadn't had a win. Um, you know, it's likable in so many other ways. But now... Uh, got his first win with the Lions as new head coach. And that has to feel good um, for not only the players, but the coaching staff, the front office and all the fans. Yeah, I don't think up to this point, there's been any questions about how popular he is. The locker room seems to love him, as we all saw in those videos post-game. It's just been about whether he can actually win a game and whether going on 16-1 and one was enough to keep his job. But now he's got that win. I think he's 100% safe for at least the start of next year. Um he still made a few mistakes in the game, but overall, I mean, you're going to expect that from a rookie coach. They did enough to win in the end. Um, I mean, we'll probably get onto it in the game recap a bit more, but Jared Goff was great. Probably the best game he's played in, what, a couple of years. Um, the receivers, Amon Ross and Brown, really stepped up. Um, and the defense did enough as well when needed. I mean, they maybe could have got that stop on that final drive, but realistically uh, letting up that touchdown day to set the ball back when uh, settling for a field goal probably would have given them less time to go downfield. So even then, when they let up touchdowns, it still probably helped them win in the end. So yeah, really impressive performance overall from Detroit. Indeed. We will not mention any more now because we'll get on to the game later. Um, I'm going to throw one in. It's probably a bit of a, a kind of a home, a bias pick, but Gardner Minshew Gordo, um, I'm going to say, first and foremost, I'm not buying into the hype. He's not the starter going forward. That's made very clear that Jalen Hurts is the starter in the future. Obviously, missed the game uh, with injuries sustained the week before. Minshew comes in 20 for 25, 242, uh, a couple of touchdowns. It is against the Jets, so we've got to preface it with that. Um, and the running game was still very good. 
But uh, I think it's good to have him in the league. Gordon obviously uh, had a brief period there in Jacksonville where it was all the rage, um, departed when uh, Trevor Lawrence came along. Um, but, yeah, good to have Gardner Minshew back in the game. Uh, he's a good character and, um, yeah, someone who's really passionate, I guess, about the game. Yeah, no, I think he deserves a st- or at least a chance to start somewhere. He's still only 25. Um, one, what, he went 7-13 in a pretty bad Jacksonville team, 37 touchdowns, 11 picks through those, those two years. He's good enough to start somewhere. And, I mean, we've seen on the weekend uh, when put in situations, he can do really well. Uh, I think he threw, what, 11 completions in a row to start the game. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Zach Wilson was actually playing really well as well there. But, yeah, Minshew was just... It was similar to what we saw in Jacksonville, just a really entertaining game. Uh, he's, I mean, he's not necessarily the strongest arm in the league, but he can get balls into where you need them to go. He's a solid, at worst, backer. So he deserves a chance somewhere. Indeed. And finally, the Chargers, who I think both of us probably a bit quick to write off. We didn't think they could win Cincinnati, to be honest. Maybe we should have seen it coming because whenever we have a game where it seems like one team's the favourite and the other team is hasn't been playing well. They find a way to flip the script. Uh, the Bengals came out cold, um, 22 to nothing from the Chargers, 24, excuse me, to nothing. Um, but then I guess on the second level, God, it was the fact that they the Bengals came all the way back, but it was the defense who stu- stood up, got that defensive touchdown and then piled on the points um, and they get a big win. And suddenly they're right back in the race, not only for the top wildcard spot, uh, but for the division. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, uh, you're off them one week and then all of a sudden they come out and play at least 41 points on a defense has been playing pretty well um, and limited them, limited the Bengals on offense to 22 too. So the defense that we had questions about, they did stand up. They forced those turnovers when needed. And just, again, when you let Herbert throw the ball deep, when you let that offense really open up, they look really good. They're probably going to struggle over the next week or so, shipping Keenan Allen, it stays on that COVID list for a week. Um, they might struggle this weekend, but when you let them throw the ball downfield, Herbert looks so much better. Yeah, well, they play the Giants in at SoFi this week. They cannot afford to lose that game. They've got to start stringing wins together if they want to challenge the Chiefs in the West. Um, we move to the bad, and a team that Gordo likes to mention in the bad, he hasn't been able to it for a few weeks because they've been on a winning streak, but uh, just when you thought San Francisco were looking dangerous, they go lose you talked last week, Gordo, about how it's a divisional matchup, so Seattle would play them closer. Well, it was more than that. Seattle get the win uh, and a disappointing turn of events uh, for Jimmy G and co. Yeah, I mean, any time I've started to believe in the 49ers over the last couple of years, they go and play like this. Um, I can't remember exactly what the record is, but we probably should have seen this coming. I think Pete Carroll is something like 17-4 against the 49ers, the mm. Seahawks coach. Uh, for whatever reason, even if Seattle's terrible, they seem to find a way to beat San Francisco. And that's what we saw here. They're just, it was probably their best game what, since the first couple of weeks of the season. They still weren't perfect on offense. There were still quite a few mistakes, turnovers on the goal line in particular, but they looked better than what they have. And they're probably not going to make playoffs from here, but if they play a couple more games like that, then there's at least some sort of hope moving forward. But San yeah. Francisco, it's just, I don't know. They're still the seventh seed. Uh, they're probably still, I mean, I want to say they're a lock for a wild card spot, but if they play like this, who knows? They're, they're bad. It's very bad. Yeah, well, Washington in the mix, Philadelphia. We'll get on to them later. I mean, 
And for, for uh, Russell Wilson, got his first win as starter. I know he missed a few weeks since another game against San Francisco in the Bay Area in week four. So that's four in a row now they've won. As you said, Carroll has a good record against the Niners. The last time the Niners won was that last game of the season, the cracker in 2019 to decide the one seed. Um, the 49ers won that, have not won since against Seattle and back, as you say, in the seven seed now. I've gone with Vegas, Gordo. And I mean, you told me on the previous show, I, I should have known better than to tip them. They did have a habit of letting us down. Um, both sides, there's no team that's more infuriating, and I'm glad I'm not a fan. Defensively, they're undisciplined. They'll force a third and 10, a fourth and 10, and then they'll give away a roughing the passer or a stupid holding call or a taunting call. Um, and offensively, I mean, they still play well, the defense 15, but the, oh, offensively, I don't know how I can go from what, 36 points in Dallas to, I mean, uh, 15 against and then of course they put together a drive late in the game you think okay finally they've won it um and then they come out and let the washington team score a touchdown and then to add to kind of uh, i guess put a cherry on top of the disappointment in a, in a negative way gordo they come out first play with about 30 seconds to go seems like a car home run ball to redford this clear holding um isn't called uh, and another disappointing loss for Vegas, Gordon. It looks like they're going to be the third season in a row suffering a bit of a late-season slump, and it doesn't look like they'll be featuring in January, despite how impressive they were on Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, it, they really are a really up-and-down team, as you said, putting up all those points against Dallas and then coming out like this against Washington at home as well. You'd expect probably a better performance. I was looking at some of the game footage. It seemed like the, fan, the stands were full of Washington fans. Hmm. I it felt like a home game almost for the football team. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many fans or whatever are in Vegas of the Raiders, but it just felt like, I don't know, it felt like they were up against everything in this game, even though it's a home game. Um, Washington played well enough to win, but yeah, Vegas was just awful. Yeah, and on Washington, um, I'm, I'm still not so long. I will talk about that, Gordo. I'm, they probably just reserve a little bit more respect than I'm giving them at the moment. Perhaps it's to do with the fact that I'm a Philadelphia fan, traditional rivals, but um, I think we'll get onto them in a bit. The ugly, Gordo, and there's only room for one team in this segment this week. Um, we mentioned the Lions got the win. The team that lost to them, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and, I mean, the first half, 20 to six down, that's ugly. Then they work their way back into it. You think, okay, deja vu, the Lions will get pipped at the end. The Vikings drive way down the field. I mean, I'm not sure of the exact timing, Gordo, but for, from my math, they could have knelt at the 10-yard line or wherever they were. It was inside two minutes um, and kicked a field goal with less than a minute, 45 seconds to go. Instead, they score a touchdown. They give the Lions more time with timeouts, and Jared Goff leads a touchdown, not to mention whatever defense they were playing on that last play. And it has to go all on, I'm sorry, but the coaching staff, Mike Zimmer, um, I think we both agree, Gordo, that's probably the ugliest game he's had as coach. And if he does get fired at the end of you, you can point directly to this loss. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you don't lose to a, what were they, 0-10-1 team and have good job security. There's still chances, I guess, through the rest of the season, maybe a win against the Packers or something like that could keep the job if they somehow sneak into a wildcard spot. But it's not looking good at the moment. Um, just, I know there were a lot of injuries there. They were missing out um, Kendricks and Barr, I'm pretty sure, were out on the defence as well as Patrick Peterson. So there are problems there. Delvin Cook's obviously missing on offence. But even then, you're up against the Lions, who might have the worst um, personnel on both sides of the ball in football, uh, probably out there with the Texans. So there's no excuses for losing this game. Um, yes, they started badly, but yeah, they got themselves back into it. You should be able to win if you, 
giving Jared Goff less than two minutes to drive down the field, that should be enough to win, even there. But, yeah, as you mentioned, the defense just really let them down. Indeed, tough loss for the Vikings. They're probably on the outside looking in, you would have to say, five and seven um, in terms of the, the playoff race uh, and possibly another year without um, without playoff action. Then you've got to think about Kirk Cousins, whether or not they want to re-sign him. We'll get onto that shortly. We'll move on to the games. Um, Tipping-wise, we both got nine. We differed on two games. I had the Raiders obviously lost that one. Gordo won with Washington. And then in the Monday night game, uh, I took New England. Gordo swapped to the Buffalo Bills. New England winning both nine. My total is 118. Gordo 111. Um, Locks, we, we both lost again. Um, struggling a bit there. Nine and four. Gordo six and seven. Myself. Gordo, um, we'll get to your game in a second. I had the Vikings. We've just talked about them. They lose. Um, this is why you should never trust the Vikings, as you tell me. Um, we've already talked about this game uh, in depth. You've talked about um, Monroe St. Brown, 11-yard touchdown pass as time expired. Some very soft coverage. He finishes 10 catches, 86 yards in that score. But um, you wanted to mention Jared Goff, um, 25-41, 296 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, his best game, you reckon, since joining the Lions? Oh, easily. I mean, I don't think he even played this well at any point last year for the Rams. Um, it was the best game I've seen him play in a long time. Uh, he looked confident in the pocket. Again, that's probably because of a very weak Minnesota defense. But uh, you look through the years, it was, what, his third highest passing total, second time this year passing for three scores or three touchdowns. He only threw the one pick. Uh, he, he took the deep shots as well down the field that he wasn't taking in previous weeks. It was... It was just a really impressive performance from him. And this Detroit offense as a whole as well, probably missing what you'd have to say, DeAndre Swift's their best player on offense, maybe up there with TJ Hawkinson, but missing him, Jamal Williams really stepped up, which you love to see as a Packers fan as well. Um, I'm super happy for him. And yeah, just, and I mean, it comes down to that final drive from that offense and they did everything that they haven't been doing throughout the year. The time management was good. Um, they hit the throws that they needed to. And yes, again, Minnesota played terrible defense on that final snap. I'm not sure what they're doing sitting at the back of the end zone, but they made the catches that they needed to. Um, they put themselves in a position early in the game to be here. They obviously let Minnesota back in, but they did what they needed to again to win the game. Yeah, the Lions had lost three games at the buzzer. One previous, of course, um, Greg Joseph kicking that field goal back in Minnesota earlier in the season. And of course, last week against the Bears, this on this occasion, the right side of that play, uh, breaking a 15-game losing streak in the process. Cousins got, I mean, 30 for 40, uh, 340 yards and two scores. So that's, again, good stats. I mean, you look at his last, what is his last six game, five games, 104 rating, 110 rating, 129 rating. 93 rating, 117 rating. I mean, that's four over 100 and all over the league average. Um, I mean, he has what is he has two. I mean, he has 66 and 88, and they're the only two below the league average in his entire uh, 12 games that he's played this season. Um, there's no doubt about it. Kirk Cousins is a good enough quarterback to get a team to the playoffs. Quarter. He just needs a defense which could at least be average. Yeah, I mean, you look at his season stats: 3,300 yards, 25 touchdowns, three picks. Mm. That's Incredible, yeah. And yet they're five and seven because yeah. the the offense is fine. It's just the defense is constantly letting them down at this point. And when you're a defensive head coach like Mike Zimmer, that spells trouble. The funny thing is, it almost seems as though Clint Kubiak, the offensive coordinator, is getting more heat than Zimmer. Um, it, it, 
staggers me, and we've talked about it before, that those are MVP numbers if he's on a team that's even eight and four or eight, seven and five, but he's not. He's on a five and seven team. They found a way to lose another close game. Um, more misery for the Vikings, uh, it would appear. Okie dokie. Um, well, of course, um, the Vikings, a short week, Gorda, they'll play Pittsburgh on Thursday night football. That's a real elimination game. Pittsburgh, of course, winning, but... Um, uh, the loser of that game's really kind of on the outside looking in. Um, as for Detroit, they've got a Denver who'll be looking for a bounce back win. Got and you look at their schedule, Denver, Arizona, okay, maybe not at Atlanta, Seattle. There, there's room for at least another win for this team if they play like that again. Yeah, I mean, now all of a sudden it looks a lot more promising for the rest of the year. Uh, they're probably still able to get one more win, keep that number one pick. There's a lot more optimism suddenly with one win moving forward. Indeed. We'll move to Cincinnati. It was one of the games of the week. Uh, we mentioned Los Angeles disappointing in Denver, but they rise to the occasion 41 to 22. Both teams 7 and 5 right in the thick of the wildcard race. And as I mentioned, you have that 24 nothing lead. You have Cincinnati coming right back 24 22. You have Burrow with that finger injury, comes back in. Joe Mixon appears to fumble with no one touching him. Uh, Devon Campbell, Devon Campbell takes it back 61 yards, scoop and score to the house. And that what kicked it off, Gordo. Uh, you know, they roll back 17 points in the, in the second half there. Um, a 41 to 22 win. Um, what impressed you most by it? I mean, just everything really from LA. Herbert was obviously back to, he's had such a weird year. Like the stats look pretty good. Um, overall, he's been pretty good, but he's had some games where he's played pretty badly. Um, the stats might still be there from garbage time or whatever, but this was, I don't know if you can call it a legitimate stat, stat game, but it was the best game he's played in a long time, I think. Uh, obviously against Pittsburgh, he was pretty good, but before that, it was really the Cleveland game that was his last really impressive game. So here, uh, 317 yards, three scores again. Um, the offense just looked so much better. I mean, they've been so up and down all year, but... If they can play like this, it's what I was saying last week. If they can play like this, their best is as good as anybody. I think it's just that they've been so inconsistent with it. And of course, you mentioned Keenan Allen, um, five catches through to a couple of touchdowns, but being put on that COVID list they mentioned on the Monday night coverage could be a big loss going into this game with the Giants. Austin Eckler, um, he gets a touchdown on the day, Gordo, despite um, f- from memory in this game, a-, a couple of lost fumbles. Um, but as you mentioned, the defense able to stand up in a big spot. Um, the Bengals score. I mean, what is it to say about them? They have a, a great wins. We talk about the one over Pittsburgh. We talk about um, the one over the, the Baltimore Ravens. Talk about the one of the, the Raiders. But they've had these big losses to the Browns, and now they lost to the Jets. Now they lose this one up from memory. And I, tell me if I'm wrong here. You were quite up on them, and I think you even had them as the three seed in the AFC when we did our little seeding. So you thought. They, they've broken out of the slump and they're, you know, they're on the march home. Um, how kind of questioning are you now that they've dished up this? I'm just going to lock them in with just about every other AFC team, mm. not named the Patriots or the Chiefs at this point. I think there's uh, what you can probably say uh, outside of the Chiefs and Pats, maybe the third to the what, 12th or even 13th. Uh, seed in the AFC at the moment, they're all in that similar tier. There's some obviously better than others, but they're also up and down. Um, they're all just so inconsistent this year that I don't know whether they're actually good or not. Some may be due to injuries. The Bengals, it's more just due to inexperience, but they're going to have games like this um, where they do with all the youth on that team, Burrow being pretty inexperienced um, in the defense as well. They're going to have games like this. I think they'll still make it into the playoffs. 
they should be able to win more than they lose. But yeah, it's not a great showing when you're really trying to prove to people that you're legit. Well, it all starts next week. Uh, they welcome San Francisco to town. Two teams coming off disappointing losses will be looking for a win. That is a massive game. And as mentioned, the Chargers host the Giants. Justin Herbert, another three touchdown, 300-yard game. He certainly puts up good stats, um, if nothing else. Okie dokie, we'll move um, to Soldier Field, Chicago. We talked about Matt Nagy. This is, could be the game. We, I mean, we talked about he needed to win out. He hasn't. Arizona, 10-2, and two, coming off the bye. They bring back Murray uh, and Hopkins. I incorrectly suggested perhaps they might be a little... Rusty, we might have a close game. Well, they jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead. They won 33-22, a firm grip on the NFC's top seed. As I mentioned, the first team to 10 wins, four and eight Chicago. Gordo, four picks of Andy Dalton. I mean, I think both of us said he's, he's the one to start. He gives you the best chance at winning. He had an okay day uh, in Detroit. Um, not the case in this game. 26-41, 2 two touchdowns, four picks. Um, and Montgomery went over 100, but um, otherwise missing. And again, Kyler Murray, I mean, 11 of 15 passing, 123, two touchdowns. That's pretty efficient rushing. He has another two scores and 59 yards on 10. Um, James Conner goes over 100. Um, you know, not a lot of passing yards in Murray, but that's all he needs to do, get a lead, you know, a lot of rushing the football, running the clock out, and they win pretty comfortably, and they just keep rolling the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're coming back from an ankle injury as well, you don't want to make your quarterback do too much. Super efficient day, no turnovers, just let the running game dominate. And, I mean, obviously, he's run as well for 10 carries, 59 yards, two scores. But he, So he's still involved, even if he's not throwing the ball too much. But, yeah, this offense in general, it just works so well. Uh, Hopkins obviously coming back helps, frees up a couple of the other receivers, which, again, we didn't really see considering how little they threw the ball. But that connection, uh, the Murray to Hopkins uh, touchdown, what was it, fourth down in the first quarter was just mm-hmm. incredible that throw in the corner of the end zone, they look really, really good. They're probably the best team right now in football, I'd say. They're up there with the Packers, maybe the Patriots, but I think they'd easily be top two right now. If they get everyone healthy, uh, there's rumours, I think, of J.J. Watt potentially coming back by playoffs. So they just did what they had to do here against a pretty bad team, uh, move forward with playoffs in their sights. Yeah, indeed, and I'm probably someone who has to admit that I was probably one of the last people to jump on board. I was a bit hesitant, you know, then they lose that game to the Packers. I was convinced could they do it against you know, good opposition, but um, I think even I've got to jump on the train now. You think they'll win the division um, and head in with a very, very good chance at the one seed. I mean, you look down the stretch, they obviously play the Rams, they play Indy and Dallas, the other two teams, finishing at Seattle. Um, you think if they go maybe, what is it, Four, five, four and one across that. Um, and there are, what, what's that, a 14 and three team? That could be enough. Obviously, they've got um, the Packers and the Bucks breathing down their throat. The Bears, Gordo, I don't think there's a lot to say about them. Um, yeah, I mean, they're 2 and 0 against the Lions, I guess. Um, uh, it's a matter of time for Matt Nagy now, surely. Yeah, uh, I think I saw a stat somewhere that said when they played the teams during the playoff or top seven seeds in the NFC at the moment there, they've lost every game by an average of 17 points. So when they play these good teams, they, they get found out. They're not a good team themselves. This year, I think at this point, is all about seeing Fields and how he develops if he comes back from that injury, which I think he should. He'll probably, if he doesn't play against Green Bay this Sunday night, he should be back for the next week. So it's just about seeing what happens there and evaluating the rest of the offense around him. Yeah, I had a slight grumble here about Green Bay and 
the Bears being on Sunday Night Football, but when you look at the other games, there's, I mean, they can't take the Bills and Bucks because it was a game of the week. Um, and they can't take the Cowboys. Washington, because they're on Sunday Night Football in a couple of weeks. Raiders, Chiefs already beat on. So fair enough. They like the history of the rivalry. Hopefully they can give us somewhat of an entertaining game. Otherwise, we'll just see Aaron Rodgers own the team as he does. And we'll probably get a 30 to 13 finish. Um, as mentioned, Arizona playing the Rams and the Chicago Bears in Lambeau next week. We'll move to Tampa Bay and in the early window, nine and three, all uh, nine and three. Uh, the, the Bucks are now. Tom Brady takes his all time record against the Falcons to 10 and 0, including that Super Bowl victory. It was 30 to 17 this time uh, in Atlanta, who dropped a five and seven. Two ways to look at this, Gordo. Tom Brady, 38 out of 51, 368, four touchdowns, the one pick. The one pick, I don't know if you saw this, Gordo. Um, Davidson with a pick six right towards the end of the first half when they could have been kneeling on it. They try and, you know, have a lot, a, a drive. It's just a little um, screen pass you dump out of the backfield to Fournette. Um, it's read beautifully by the defensive back um, who, you know, gobbles it up and runs straight into it, the end zone. You love it as a good defensive guy touchdown that made it. It was 20 to 17 at the half. And then the Bucks pretty much the only team to score. We know about this Atlanta offense. Um, they struggle to do a lot. Um, you know, uh, it seems as though Cordell Patterson's their only real, uh, only real weapon at times. I mean, look at Matt Ryan, 30 or 41, 297, no scores, no picks. Um, Patterson goes close to 100 yards again. But um, aside from that, pretty much Tampa Bay taking care of business in this one, Gordo. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what we all expected. Um, a fairly routine win for Tampa. It did get, I think, kind of too close for comfort there towards the end of the first half with that pick mm -hmm. six. You're thinking, okay, 20 to 17, heading into halftime, we might have a game here. But yeah, they did nothing the second half to come away with a pretty comfortable win. 13 points over a divisional rival is something you're always going to take. Um, yeah, just doing enough. The offense really got going. I think the defense is still, there's still some issues with it. They performed better, but against a pretty bad offense. So until I see them go up against someone like an Arizona or even Buffalo next week, although they're not playing great at the moment. I still think Buffalo is a pretty good test for them to see how that pass defense goes, which is what's been their real issue this year. Their run defense has been great, but this pass defense against Buffalo, who is, I mean, at this point, they're purely a passing team. So we'll really see how that works out if they can uh, get up to the task. Yeah, indeed. I mean, and when you look at the NFC wildcards, it talks about Atlanta still in that race at five and seven. For me, they're along with the Saints and the Panthers at five and seven, possibly even the Vikings, who I don't think are a real chance. Honestly, for people to talk about how close it is, I think it's really down to eight, maybe nine teams. So I think it's about time we can eliminate someone like the Falcons. It's not the toughest schedule going home, um, but I just don't think um, they are a playoff team once again. So they wouldn't have been back to the playoffs since 2017. Now, next week, uh, they're in Carolina, another divisional matchup in Tampa Bay, as we mentioned, America's Game of the Week. They will be hosting the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Miami Gordo, your Miami Dolphins. I'm saying you're now because you've jumped ship from the Panthers to them as your kind of team of the season. They're six and seven. They won, they've won five in a row now, 20 to nine over the visiting Giants, four and eight down in Florida. You feel like the Giants are gone now. We've got to talk about Tua Gordo. Um, 30 of 41, 244, two touchdowns. Uh, no picks. I mean, uh, we're saying it every week, the streaks he's put up in the last four, I mean, it was three weeks, then it's four weeks, then it's five weeks. Um, I mean, you look at the three and a half games he's played since returning from that injury, 92 of 180, 905 yards, five touchdowns, one pick, uh, and, and a four and a record as a starter. Um, what more can this guy do to convince the franchise that he's the future? 
Yeah, I mean, if, if they're not convinced at this point, I don't think they ever will be. Uh, he's played incredibly well over the four-week stretch. They're winning games. The offense is scoring points, which is something we didn't see from them earlier on in the year. I mean, their last four, 22, 24, 33, then 20 against what is a pretty underrated Giants defense. I think, I mean, they're not necessarily great, but they're a lot better, I think, than they get credit for. So, yeah, another pretty impressive performance. He's not turning the ball over, which was his issue earlier on. Um, just the offense in general, it looks a lot better with him at the helm than someone like Brissett. Yeah, and since I mentioned Carolina, um, and we didn't get a chance to mention this because the news broke pretty much on Sunday afternoon whilst the games were occurring. Joe Brady, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, of course, come from the college ranks, scored LSU when they won the national title. Second year as the OC in Carolina. Matt Rule wants to make a change. They've been pretty um, stagnant offense. Their last game was down in Miami, three points against the Dolphins. Let go, fired. Um, uh, probably not something we were expecting, Gordo, because he's often kind of touted as an offensive genius, but clearly Matt Rule frustrated with the progress of this offense at five and seven. It was the bye week for them, uh, and they'll be going forward with an interim offensive quarter at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like at the start of the year he was getting real head coaching buzz almost, and everyone was mm. like, okay, yeah, if, if they have an impressive year, then he's a real chance. But I don't know how much of their struggles are actually on him, uh, considering they're giving him quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, um, who was it? Teddy Bridgewater last year. He's not getting great situations to actually coordinate an offense for. So, I mean, I want to see how he goes with, I don't know, you say a really good quarterback as opposed to Bridgewater, who is what a, a, an okay starter at best, and then Darnold, who's terrible outside of three games this year. So, I'm not sure how much of it's on him and how much of it's on the actual personnel, but obviously they wanted to make a change. It hasn't been working, and they've done that. Indeed. Um, jumping back to the game now, I mean, Mike Glennon gets a start, 23-44, 187 and a pick. I mean, Charles uh, Charles Barkley. <laughs> Barkley, 11 for 55, and Evan Ingram, 4 for 61. Not a lot on the stat sheet for the Giants quarter. Of course, second week, Freddie Kitchens calling plays. Um, I didn't think he got a pass mark the week before when they beat Philadelphia. Certainly doesn't get a pass mark in this game, does he? Yeah, it was, what, 13 points against Philly, and then the nine here, it's it's not good. I mean, I, I'm not going to expect much when you're starting someone like Glennon, a quarterback, but you should be able to get the run game going at least somewhat if you are starting a backup quarterback. And at the moment, it's, it's Saquon is looking nowhere close to what he was in his rookie season. Um, at, at this point, I'd be, I don't want to say a bust because injuries have really limited him, but it's not looking like it's going to work out in New York. At least I think he needs a change of scenery. Um, and this offense in general, it, it's they went out, they spent all that money on those wide receivers. They brought in Dolliday, um, and then they go and draft Kadarius Tony as well. And then even then, the offense, it's just, it's not working for whatever reason, whether it is the quarterback, whether it's the offensive line, but it's just such a letdown. Yeah, indeed. Um, and again, New York fans. Another season with neither team making the playoffs. Um, you know, what do you want to say? Disappointment, um, as always, for both. As we mentioned, the Giants in LA to take on the Chargers. So they can still play spoiler. Uh, and the Miami Dolphins uh, will be having the bye. And then they have, you know, the Jets the week after, the Saints, the Titans, the New England Patriots. They're six and seven, you know. They're stunningly not out of the playoffs. Um, but um, 
it would take a bit of a miracle for them to get in here. Now, we will move to New York, Philadelphia, the second straight week playing at MetLife Stadium. They disappointing loss last week. A new quarterback, as we've mentioned, Gardner Minshew starting. And it was a, an offensive display to be in. No one could believe it. I mean, a lot of people been in the under with Minshew and Wilson playing it. We went touchdown, 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 touchdown. That's six straight touchdown to start. I mean, the Jets... Last time they scored touchdowns on their first three drive was at Lambeau Field against your Packers back in 2014, Gordo. And listen to this, Geno Smith, touchdown on Geno Smith, 29 yard touchdown to Eric Decker and Chris Ivory, three names that we haven't heard a lot. I mean, Geno Smith's still around. Um, the Packers still won the game, so you don't have to worry about losing to the Jets. But um, that was the last time. So there was worries for Philadelphia um, on that level. However, two missed extra points from the kicker um, just – what what is there to say? I mean, it's such a Jets thing that their kicker would be um, disappointing. So Robert Sala just went for two and went for everything on fourth down from then on. Um, Zach Wilson had four pass touchdowns and one in the entire season on the ground coming in, and he had two through the air and another one on the ground um, in the first 20 minutes of the game. So it's it's fair to say the Jets, who've been suffering slow starts and a good second half, they flipped the script, a good first half and, a, and, a, and a, just a trashy second half. Philadelphia took control um, talk about this rushing game. They didn't quite get to 200 Philadelphia in the, in the low 190 yards rushing wise. Um, coming back from injury, Miles Sanders, 27 touches, 142 yards, uh, has a slight injury, should be fine. Philadelphia hit the bye. Dallas got it. Um, he's been a favorite target of Hertz, also a favorite of Gardner Minshew, six for 105 and a couple of scores. The first two for Philadelphia, we've mentioned Minshew. Um, Devontae Smith, a bit quiet, only three targets, two catches. So interested to see if they can get him more involved. Um, but I do want to talk about, I mean, first of all, the last time Philadelphia scored on their first five possessions, since we're doing a little bit of this, Gordo, 2011, they won 34 to seven over the Cowboys. Um, and that was with the likes of Jeremy Macklin, Shady McCoy, and Brent Selleck and Michael Vick playing back in one of my favorite Eagles teams. Um, but that shows you, I mean, we've been talking about how bad this Jets defense is, Gordo. Um, I must admit, I was very much full running the ball. Um you have to give credit to Nick Sirianni for adjusting game plan almost last second with a new quarterback. Um, yes, they ran the ball and did it successfully, but he was able to trust Gardner Mitchell, make safe throws, uh, and it worked out very well for them. Yeah, I mean, he comes out, throws 80%, almost 250 yards, and two scores. And it looked like the offense didn't miss a beat, even though they're starting a backup quarterback. It feels like this is, what, fourth year in a row or something, a backup quarterback's coming for the Eagles and played really well. It's... It, it, I don't know what the thing is there at this point, but last year it was Hurts coming in for Wentz, and then you've obviously had Foles coming in a couple of times, and it just feels like that's the Eagles' story every year now. A backup quarterback, um, I don't know about outplays, but comes in and plays really well and starts the fan base questioning whether the backup needs to start. And it just feels like the most Eagles' story ever coming through this week. Mm. Indeed. And just to highlight how good this offense was, touchdown, 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 field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. seven drives in a row they scored on. Um, and then they had one more for the entire game. First time in 20 years they've scored on their first seven drives and 175 yards. I mentioned Gordo, they didn't quite get to 200. Um, would have been a record. They got to 193. Uh, and that's six straight games where they have more than 175 um, rushing yards. That's the first time since 1949. And I'm getting a bit specific here with the stats, but... Forgive me, I'm an Eagles fan. And over the last six weeks, the Philadelphia was number three in scoring. They're averaging 29.7 points a game. And the 13th in points allowed, 17.7 Gordo. And yes, you can argue they played some weaker teams. They've got wins over the Broncos and wins over the Lions. Um, 
But there's a reason why they're now in the playoff race. Nick Sirianni's play calling has developed, as has Jonathan Gannon. I mean, without that loss last week against the Giants, Gordo, um, they'd be seven and six now, and they'd be really in the mix. They're still outside as it is. Um, and they've got two games against Washington to come. You think maybe they split them. They'd probably have to beat the Giants. And Dallas, one thing is for sure, they're getting a bit banged up. Dallas got it, was a little hurt. Jason Kelsey, a large part of that offensive line, a little hurt. Uh, a good time to have a bye later on, perhaps in the season, rather than week four or five. You like the week 14 bye, get them fresh for their um, last four divisional opponents, and there's certainly a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that late uh, bye we've seen in Green Bay this week, it's a blessing sometimes. And then also it feels early in the season, you're getting really annoyed because you don't have your bye then, you want to get healthy then. But I think it's more important now. I mean, we've seen with Green Bay, Matt LaFleur said today, there's potential to get all three major guys back in Alexander, Smith and Bakhtiari coming out of that bye. It really gives you a chance to refresh and get ready for a final push. Mm. Uh, and the only other thing, uh, this stat always amazed me. I don't know if you heard this, Gordo. Philadelphia never lost to the Jets, 11-0 in franchise history. And that is the only um, incident of two teams who have been here since the merger. It was at 1965, where one has never lost to the other. 11-0 Philadelphia still yet to lose uh, to the Jets in regular season action. Um, adding to Tom Brady, there was a few streaks this week. We'll get on to another couple late. Um, the Lions broke a streak. The Vikings had eight straight wins against them. That is no longer the case. The last game in the early window, um, no one drafted it in our draft. Bit of a dull game. I think we expected Indianapolis to dominate, and they did indeed. Seven and six, they moved to a season sweep over the division rival Texans. 31 to 10 shutout win down in Houston. Houston are two and 10, and we can ring the bell, Gordo. Finally, someone is officially eliminated from postseason action. Uh, it is the Texans. Uh, look, a day when Jonathan Taylor had 143 yards and two scores. Now, I don't know. Wait for this. I don't know if you heard this, Guru. He has 18 touchdowns, Jonathan Taylor. The entire Texans team has 18 for the season. A dark day. Taylor, five for 13 for 45 yards, um, replaced by Mills, six for 14 for 49 yards. Nothing was cooking. Um, and again, Indianapolis took care of business. Yeah, I mean, this was, what, 31 to three in the first matchup of the year. Now it's 31 nothing. Uh, it's... Indianapolis did what they had to, I guess. Uh, we knew that this was probably what this was going to be. It was going to be a blowout. It wasn't going to be a great game, and I think that's what we got. At, at this point, I don't know what you're actually watching for if you're watching a Texans game. Um, mm. I'm not sure who's actually exciting on that team at this point, if there's anything to actually enjoy watching as a Texans fan right now. It's just – it feels like every week it's the same sort of thing. There's no real explosive players on offense. You've got maybe Brandon Cooks. And that's probably it on offense. Uh, I mean, outside of that, looking through these receivers, Farrow Brown, Rex Burkhead, Royce Freeman. There's no, it's it's just not a great team at the moment. It's not entertaining to watch. It's not fun. I, I think they're just hoping for the season to end at this point. It's amazing to think they upset the Titans a couple of weeks ago. And the, the two games since then, losses to the Jets are now an embarrassing loss at home. Um to the Colts, uh, and as you say, I mean, I think we still agree that um, David Culley deserves another year, but it's really hard to sell the fans on what's going on there, especially with the uncertainty surrounding the quarterback position. They drafted Mills. Not been too impressive. Um, I give a little bit of credit to the defense. I've said I think that um, Lovey Smith has got about as much as he could out of this unit. We talked about they're full of no names, but, um, yeah, the rest of the season, home game to Seattle at Jacksonville, home to the Chargers at San Francisco, home to Tennessee. Hard to see where Houston get another win. They are 2-10. and 10. Indianapolis, Gordo, you know I'm very hot on them, despite um, a couple of losses. Uh, 
somewhat recently. I mean, you look at their two losses recently, that one to the Bucks and that one to Tennessee about five or six weeks ago. Their run home is not easy. They have the bye now, seven and six. They've made it to the bye. It'll be a playoff push from now. New England at Arizona, Vegas at Jacksonville. So perhaps we think they beat Jacksonville and Vegas. It's at Arizona and New England. Gore, you think perhaps if they win one of those two games, that puts them at nine and eight. Um, well, excuse me, that puts them at 10 and seven uh, and probably with a chance for the playoffs. One of them probably has them in. Uh, if they lose both, I don't see them making it in at all uh, with how close the AFC is. But, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Indeed. Okie dokie, that closes out the early window. Late window, we finally get to Gordo's lock game. Uh, he took uh, the Ravens. They hadn't had a great game. They got the win over the Browns, 16 to 10, four picks for Jackson. But the Steelers, by contrast, had a shocker, 41 to 10 against the Bengals. So both teams looking for a win. We thought, well, we ho- I just said, I remember on the preview show, we just hope we can get a close classic. And we did, Gordo. Comes down to a failed two-point conversion. The call from John Harbour, uh, essentially guaranteeing a result one way or the other, rather than kicking the extra point and in all likelihood sending it to overtime. 20 to 19, the victory. Um, your thoughts on the decision and the play? I mean, at the time, I didn't agree with it, but then hearing Harbour talk about it post-game, he said, uh, obviously, they were down a couple of corners, so they didn't want to go to overtime. Um, Marlon Humphrey has come out of the game, I think, with a um, sprained AC joint, something like that. Out for the season. Exactly was, yeah, he's done for the year. So, I mean, again, that's just another injury to this defence, which was already really hurt. He's probably the one that they could least afford to lose. So... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense now going for two. If Pittsburgh got the ball in overtime, even with how poor this offense has been, there's still every likelihood they would have gone down and scored. So going for two there, ending the game one way or the other, I sort of understand that. Uh, the play call itself, I'm not too sure. I mean, TJ Watt essentially got a free run at the quarterback, and I don't think you ever want that to happen. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a miscommunication or if the design was to hand it off and not let him get the ball, but it just felt like a pretty rushed play design um it probably could have been a lot better yeah i can't remember if it was romo on the telecast or later on i saw a really good breakdown of it they were hoping to sell what on the run um and then throw it over as mentioned to wide open andrews they sold the safety and it was fitzpatrick on the run they didn't sell what he was too good for it he came right for him but still you felt that um lamar jackson had a chance he just had a little bit too much air a bit of a rush through obviously because of the pressure Uh, If Andrews catches that, um, you know, that's probably two points and they win the game. As it is, the Steelers are alive after everyone wrote them off. Um, That's become kind of a mantra of their season. Six, five and one. They're in with a chance. Uh, The Ravens, Gordo, they drop back to eight and four. Probably a more realistic record than nine and three for how they've played. But they are banged up. Talk about Marlon Humphreys. That was a torn right peck, I believe. Um, Pecked which will, tendon which will cost him his season. Got to have surgery on that. Um, and just another classic matchup, 16 to 14 now. Tomlin leads the all-time series between Harbour and himself. They've been coaching against each other since 2008, twice a year, and a couple of playoff matchups. Um, and his post-match presser, I mean, Tomlin said, he said they um, they aggressively play analytics. So from that standpoint, they're predictable. I mean, I don't really think it has anything to do with whether or not he thought they were going to do it or not. The fact is that the defense stepped up, Gordo. And I think it's fair to say that the reason that the, de- the Steelers were even in the game and in a position to take a lead late is because of that defense. Yeah, again, um, they were really impressive. The offense took a while to get going, but that fourth quarter from Pittsburgh's offense was actually really impressive. Um, put up, what, 17 points? They were on three points at the end of the third quarter. And you're thinking, okay. The offense is playing terribly, but I think Ben had a perfect quarterback rating through the final quarter. Um, two scores, 
over 100 yards. Deontay Johnson really got going. Again, though, the running game couldn't really do much. So it was it was down to that defense again and limiting. I mean, normally it's an explosive Ravens offense, but these last few weeks they really haven't been. So limiting a pretty good offense in 19 points. Indeed. Um, if they do make those two points and they win the Ravens, you can point to Chris Boswell. I mean, for so long he's been a good kicker for the Steelers, but he misses an extra point. Um, that's why the Steelers had to go for two on their previous drive. Uh, and then he pushes the kickoff out of bounds. I was surprised that wasn't talked about more. I mean, obviously they won the game, but gave the Ravens the ball at the 40. You don't see it very often, Gordo, but um, that's a big penalty. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson was able to take the Ravens all the way down the field, they don't convert on the two-point. Um, they lose the game. And just like that, they, they blew a chance to go two games clear of the Bengals. They have a head-to-head matchup in a couple of weeks. Robertsburg, you mentioned 21-31, 236, two scores. Uh, Harris did go over 100, but not much of a running game. Um, Jonta Johnson over 100 yards, a couple of touchdowns. And I want to talk to, you about, talk to you about TJ Watt, Gordo. We both overlooked him and said, I mean, the start of the year I had him, um, but in our prediction show last week, we both talked about Miles Garrett. I mean, three sacks, another forced fumble. I was reading a graphic that uh, essentially had him ahead of um, Garrett in all stats, despite having played less games, missed a couple COVID injury. Um, do you think he is now the front runner for the award? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point he has to be. Uh, leads the NFL in sacks by a long way, I think. Um, again, the three and a half sacks against Baltimore. I think he's done it more consistently as well. A lot of Garrett's stats did come in that one game against uh, Chicago. I think there were, what, four and a half sacks there or something like that. So, yeah, Watt's done it every game this year. And, I mean, he has missed those two, so that makes his stats even more impressive. If he, if he plays those games, who knows? He's probably got another one or two sacks at least, uh, maybe another fumble. He just does it all for this Steelers defense. You can clearly see the difference between when he's on the field and when he's not. Um, he's just that important to them. Indeed. Um, now, we were both essentially riding off Pittsburgh before this week. I still am. I mean, I'm, I don't take much out of that victory. They've got to play at Minnesota, Tennessee, at Kansas City, Cleveland, at Baltimore. At 6-5-1, and one, you think they need to win minimum three of them. Um, what about you? Are you still riding them off or are you giving them more of a chance now? In a normal year, I wouldn't see them making it. But again, with how close the AFC is, they're obviously a chance. Uh, if this offense if they run, the defense is good enough to win enough games for them to get there, and then they've just got to play a couple of good games. So they're definitely a chance, but there's still a lot of teams I'd take over them on a week-to-week basis. Indeed. Fair enough. Okay, we'll go to the rest of the late window. Um, we talked about a game up in Seattle uh, against San Francisco. Um we mentioned San Francisco, how bad that three-game win streak coming to an end. Um, I mean, going back to the 2013 NFC title game, Gordo, you talked about the um, the dominance of Pete Carroll Seahawks over the Niners. That was when Jim Harbour was coach. 15 of 17 they've won, and I named one of those losses, I remember, the end of the 2019 season. Um, so, again, Carroll, they put off a losing season for another week, Gordo. Uh, with a loss, they would have been nine losses, obviously, with the 17 games. That's a losing season. Their first one, it would have been since 2011. And I don't know if you saw this, Gordo, but um, the Seahawks have not finished last in a division since 1996. That was when they were in the AFC West. They, of course, jumped across the NFC in the 2002 realignment. Um, So what's that? 25 years. They have not finished last in a division. So, I mean, it's a testament to the consistency of the franchise. We know them in the Russell Wilson era, they've been consistent. But 
uh, even longer than that, going back to the 90s, it's been a franchise that doesn't have real stinking seasons very often. And it looks like they might be able to win a couple going down the stretch now. Yeah, all they need is a couple of games where Russ starts to get hot. Usually that comes in earlier in the season when he goes on those hot streaks. But who knows, maybe they're flipping it around this year and they get good late. I don't think they've put enough in them to make the playoffs. Uh, but they can always make a run. Their draft picks are relevant because they don't have it. So they can win games without any fear of dropping going down in the draft order. So we might see a few more reckless play calls. We saw a fake punt go for, what, 75 yards for a touchdown by Travis Homer. So we might see more things like that from them, which usually with Seattle, they're such a conservative team. They'll punt on fourth and one. Maybe we see some crazier play calls from them. And I think that's what we all want. Yeah, stunning. I mean, devoid of offenses of late the last couple of weeks. Talk about um, offensive coordinator being under a little bit of pressure, perhaps. And as you mentioned, 76 yards to the house. Travis Homer, the personal punt protector, taking it uh, all the way. And I completely agree with you about how normally Pete Carroll known for more conservative play calling. Um, the Niners had the better of the first half after that 23 to 21 they led. And Seattle at a point taking away the fake punt. They had 33 yards of total offense on six drives. They found a gear in the second half. Uh, and it all came down to, I mean, the Niners uh, didn't score in the second half. It came down to that fourth down attempt late. Um, yeah, pass battered down, unable to convert, Gordo. What we should talk about is the fact that the Seahawks, it's fair to say, should have won this game by more. Gerald Everett, a couple of unfortunate uh, incidents at the goal line. Yeah, no, I mean, there was that. Uh, he probably had a touchdown in the third, what, third quarter, um, down on the one-yard line, drops probably a perfect pass. It might've been slightly behind him, but even then you've got to catch a ball like that, drops it on the one yard line, intercepted. I mean, luckily for Seattle, it, that ended up in a safety the other way. And then you get down to the goal line at the end of the game and there's a fumble on the one yard line again. Um, Seattle and the goal line don't seem to match up very well. Um, and then, so obviously that gave San Francisco the chance to go on a 99 yard drive, which they came up just short on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to give credit to George Kittle. Nine catches, 181, and two scores. Garoppolo, mixed day, two picks and two in, uh, touchdowns, 299 yards on the day. Uh, and um, Tyler Lockett had a touchdown catch for Seattle. Six and six, um, the Niners, Gordo. You talked about you still think they are a wildcard team. Um, they are now in the seventh seed. Um, you look at that run home for San Francisco at Cincinnati, Atlanta. You think that's a win. At Tennessee, Houston, that's a win. And at the Rams. Um, so you reckon they've got to win one of the Cincinnati, Tennessee, or Rams games to be a chance? Yeah, no, definitely. I think still, if you look at all those teams fighting for the sixth and seventh seed, Washington might be the only one I think that would rank close enough. And the Minnesota on a good day, I think is as good as San Francisco. We saw that almost last week. But yeah, outside of that, I think they're pretty clearly better than the rest of those teams. Uh, it's just that, I mean, on paper, they're better. But so often in games, we see these ones where they just... They fall apart for whatever reason and lose to a team that was three and eight heading into it. So mm. they should make it in, but then again, they've got a. It's not it's not the worst schedule running home, but it's still a pretty tough one. So yeah, you've got to think they've got to win one of those three games against Cincinnati, Tennessee, or LA. Oh, I think they are better than any of them. I think they're better than Washington. Better than Philadelphia um, and better than Minnesota. But as you mentioned, it's a good day or bad day. Just turns up with whatever they, um, uh, you know, put up with on the day. Um, talking of Seattle, I just, you talk about they can afford to win games since they don't have their first round draft pick. 
I think they'll win three out of their last five. They got at Houston, they got Chicago, and they got Detroit. The other two games are at the Rams and at the Cardinals. They'll be tougher. They could play spoiler for one of those two teams. But as far as those three, uh, one game at Houston, those two home games against the NFC North quarter, um, I think, and I think you'd agree with me, they'd be favourites to win them. Yeah, no, you'd have to think so. Uh, that's what, a 7-10 and 10 finish in the end? Probably overachieving based on how they've played this year, but I still don't think that'd be enough to convince Russ to stick around for another year. Um, I'm still pretty confident that one of him or Carroll will be gone next year, if not both. Uh, a win here probably doesn't change that view for a lot of people. Indeed. Uh, we moved to Vegas. We talked about it was a massive game. Washington, they've increased their winning streak to four in a row, narrow 17 to 15 win over the Raiders. Um, 17 to 15 is the exact same margin they beat Seattle by last week. So they're doing it tough, Gordo. It's good defensive play. It's Taylor Heineke doing just enough. He's a, I'll give him, he's a gritty quarterback. I'll give him that. He's like a, a desperate, almost in a way, quarterback. You know, when there needs to be a play made on third and 10 or third and 80, he was finding Logan Thomas a lot. Logan Thomas sadly goes down with a season any injury in this game. Um, he scrambled a couple of times with his leg and he relied a lot, not relied, but they benefited a bit, it's fair to say, off uh, undisciplined play from this Raider defense I mentioned when I uh, in the opening piece. Um, and in the end, the hero was Brian Johnson, the hero for the Washington team. 48 yards away, he hit a field goal in the final minute um, after the Raiders had hit a field goal um, with a, a, about two minutes to go to take the lead. So a couple of lead changes late and then... Um, the Raiders weren't able to score a touchdown late, but um, I've talked about it, Gordo, how frustrating the offense was. Kenyon Drake, season-ending ankle injury. Um, so, you know, sad on that front. Um, and I don't think the Raiders are a team we can trust, um, you know, going forward. I mean, you look at the rest of their games at Kansas City. Don't think they'll win that. At Cleveland, tough. Denver at Indy, the Chargers. So, yeah, agreement again for Derek Carr. You just wonder... You know, what could have been the streak of him winning every game when he goes over 300 and the Raiders losing every game when he goes under 300, continued finishes on the day with 28 of 38 for 249. Not much in the running game. Hunter Renfro has a good day. No Darren Waller. They really missed him in the red zone. He's a big, bulky target, Gordon. We know how much um, Carl loves him in the red zone. Um, and, you know, ultimately, there's not much to say. You know, ill discipline with penalties. Offense was too inconsistent. And I, don't, I think it'll be a clearing of house um, for the Raiders uh, franchise at the end of the year. Yeah, I think this is sort of what we expected for both teams for the whole year, really. Washington winning games, low scoring, based mo mostly off their defence, and the Raiders to be a middle-of-the-pack team. I think that's what they both are at the moment. Um, if Washington had played this earlier in the season, they'd probably pick up a couple more wins. And... I don't know if they'd be eight and four or whatever, but they'd be a lot better than they are now, or better placed at least, but they're doing enough. Um, Heineke, he's playing, like you said, decent football. He's not winning them games necessarily, but he's not losing them either. Uh, he doesn't really turn the ball over. I mean, you know, I know he had a pick, but he doesn't make too many bad decisions with it. It's just a really standard offense at the moment. I mean, 30 attempts, 23 completions, but under 200 yards. So they're, throwing a lot of short stuff. They're getting the ball underneath. They're running the ball. They're managing the clock. It's exactly what we expected from them. Um, and it's probably going to get them into the same situation they were last year, a wild card game. Yeah, I mean, the, the pick was poor, but guess what? Didn't cost them anything um, because the defense was able to stand up. It's it's one of these stunning... I mean, we talk about Broncos. Their defense seems to have got better. Without Von Miller, same thing with the uh, Washington football team and Chase Young. 
Okie dokie. So we mentioned Washington. You look at their stretch home, Gordo. Uh, last five games, Dallas, Philadelphia, Dallas, Philadelphia, the Giants. Um, you'd have to say three wins there. Um, I can buy them splitting with Philadelphia. I, I think they... Uh, you think they've got to split with Dallas then? You presume they might beat the Giants, Gordo, but um, they're going to have to win one game. Dallas come to town next week, but Dallas are on a longer break for them. Um, you feel like they're going to have to win one of those games. Uh, oh, I guess they could, could go in with a losing record. No one's ever done that two seasons in a row. That'd be something different. But, um, you know, I guess a playoff spot's a playoff spot, and once they're in, anything can happen. But um, yeah, it seems like they're going to need to beat Dallas one of those times. Yeah, it's going to be – they need two wins out of the next four probably to get in. Dallas yep, twice, so. Philly twice. You've got to win two of them. Hmm. Whether it's a sweep of the Eagles, whether it's one and one, like winning both at home or whatever, they should beat the Giants in week 17 or 18. So, yeah, it's got to be hmm. two of four over the next four weeks. Well, those they're, they're desperation games because you look um, – you know, I'm just trying to do the uh, playoff tiebreakers in my head because Philadelphia, of course, um, have their buy and then they have four games against, again, a, a, a NFC East opponents – um, say it happens that they split and they both end up on the same record, it would go to divisional record. That would presume Philadelphia beat Dallas in week 18. Then it, they'd be the same, so it would go to conference record. I believe Philadelphia is one game better off in the conference, but I'd have to check that. Um, I do believe that is the case. If not, it would go to strength of victory. So it gets very complicated, Gordo. I mean, I mean, if you want to win, the easiest way for either of these two teams is to sweep the other. They play in Philadelphia on week 15 in uh, Washington, Maryland in week 17. That's the easiest way for one of these two teams, uh, but it's going to be very entertaining to the last week there. Vegas, I gave you their run home pretty tough. You think at six and six, they've got to win three at least. That would mean winning a game at Cleveland or at Indianapolis, and you might give them a chance against Denver at home, but another disappointing end to a season uh, for the Raiders. Uh, we finish off in Los Angeles. I mean, there wasn't too much to see here, Gordo. It was the uh, Rams getting back on the winner's list for the first time in over a month. Um, with a comfortable 37 to 30, uh, 37 to 7, excuse me, victory over the Jags at SoFi Stadium. We'll start with the Rams, 28 of th- uh, 26 of 38 for 295 and three scores. Stafford, Sony Michelle went for over 100 and a score. Cooper Cup, 129 yards on eight catches with one touchdown. Um, just sit back in your seats. Cooper Cup is the first player in NFL history with at least 100 catches and 10 receiving touchdowns in his team's first 12 games of the season, Gordo. I don't know about you, but I. I'm in, I think he's now my favorite for offensive player of the year. I know how good Jonathan Taylor has been. We just haven't seen this kind of production um, from a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, it probably depends on what on his last month of the season. Chances are, I don't think he'll get anyone else close to him. But yeah, I mean, he seems to be Stafford's favorite target at the moment. Um, I think it'll continue. Uh, Odell coming in shouldn't take away too many of the targets. Obviously, Robert Woods going out is going to give him more targets as well. So, yeah, Cup, I think probably. At this point, Taylor Indy's going to ride him, I think, to the playoffs, but Cup probably just gets more stats because as a wide receiver in a Stafford-led offense, you're going to get the ball a ton and you're going to get big yardage. And particularly in the Rams offense, you're going to get that big yardage. It's going to come to you. You're going to score touchdowns. I think Cup's going to win it. Indeed, in the bounce back of the Rams, it is against the Jags. Um, the Jags dropped to, to uh, 10 losses on, on the year. This is now 10 or more losses in 10 of the past 11 years, Gordo. The one year they didn't have that, they went 10 and 6 and made it to the championship game, which, uh, I mean, I read a tweet that said it's one of the strangest seasons by teams. and it's, it's stunning. I mean, they have been in the NFL wilderness and they just had one year where they had one of the all-time good defences. They win that game on the road in Pittsburgh and they 
really could have beat New England if it wasn't for a great fourth quarter comeback by the Patriots. That could have been a Super Bowl team, Gordon. We've never seen anything like that before. Um, you know, 11, 12 years with no success. And then one year they just got really hot. Um, uh, as I say, I mean, Saxonville, it'll be immortalized forever by the fans, but we haven't seen anything like it since that season ended. I was going to say in that year as well, Miles Jack was not down in that final quarter, oh, final quarter of that championship game. Up 10, they should have had that fumble returned for a touchdown. It was so, it's like a fever dream at this point that that season even happened. It's like, did it actually, was it actually a thing? Like, you look at every other season for Jacksonville, and yeah, 10 losses, 11 losses, 10 losses. And all of a sudden, there was that one incredible season. And then it's just the same thing after that, just awfulness. I, I, it was one of the most fun teams to watch as well. But just since then, it's just outside of maybe the Minshew mania for a couple of weeks, it's just been so nothing. There's nothing there to get excited about. Indeed, of course. Blake Bortles has a couple of playoff wins uh, to his name. Urban Meyer, 10 losses for his first, was it, 12 games now as Jags head coach. He had nine in 92 games at Ohio State across, what's that, seven years. So that tells you he's not a man who's used to losing, but we'll see what he does in the offseason. I mentioned last week there's talk of a few changes on the coaching staff. Uh, and Sony Michelle, 27 touches, 129 total yards, including 100 on the ground. The first Rams running back to rush for more than 100 yards in a game this season, which surprises me. I thought uh, Dale Henderson had some good days, but um, I think it was a good game for Sean McVay and Co. to get the offense back rolling before, as I mentioned, they go to Arizona on Monday Night Football next week. And a bit of a tough run home. I mean, you look at the week after that, Gordo, um, they'll play Seattle and at Minnesota, at Baltimore, San Francisco. So Minnesota is probably the easiest. I mean, we know how tough the division games are. Um, as for Jacksonville, you know, what to say about them? Uh, they play at Tennessee, Houston, at the Jets, at New England, Indianapolis. There's a chance for a win or two there. Um, could end up with four wins, but of course, they'll be looking for a high draft pick. And I know Gordo wrote a great piece about Trevor Lawrence. So check that out. Link in the description why um, perhaps the national media hasn't been drawing too much attention to the fact that he doesn't have, uh, hasn't had probably the, the, uh, the start to his career that um, he would have liked Gordo. So um, yeah, go, go check that out. But um, another lost season for Jacksonville, as we mentioned. Uh, we'll move on to Sunday Night Football, Gordo. Now, uh, the league flexed this matchup in there. It's the Chiefs hosting the Broncos, hoping for a competitive clash. And after Denver won last week over the Chargers, we thought we could get one. I mean, I think we were a little sceptical because we know how good the record is the Chiefs in the division. And what we got was business as usual. KC, 11th straight matchup between the two teams that dating back to 2016. 22-9 the final. Um, but Mahomes is 8-0 against the uh, against the Broncos. 18-3 in divisional matchups in the Mahomes era. And one of those losses was when Mahomes was rested in week 17 last week. So it's really 18-2. Um, and they're 32 and seven against the AFC West since Andy Reid took over in 2013. That's like Bill Belichick stats versus the division. Um, talking of Andy Reid, 20 and three record coming off the bye, easily the best for qualified coaches. And a, a stat that Gordo and I both picked up on on the telecast. He has a winning streak of five games or more in each of his nine seasons in charge of the Chiefs. That there was an 11 game win streak. There was a 10 game win streak last week. Uh, and KC joins the Titans and Ravens and eight and four. Game half game behind the Patriots. Um, I said they wouldn't lose another game, Gordon. I think we can call the Jets on this, but this was another game where we didn't quite see the best of Patrick Mahomes. It was on that defense. 
Um, a couple of picks, including Dirty Dan Sorensen, who's been under a lot of scrutiny, and rightfully so. He hasn't been playing very well. Gets a pick six of Teddy Bridgewater. He celebrated all the way to the house quarter. That wasn't a penalty for some reason, but, you know, we'll get over that. But, um, again, we've got to give credit to Steve Spagnolo and this defence, and I think we can agree it's like Bill Belichick. He might not get stuff right in October, September and October. He's developing what works well, but when it comes to the point end of the season, December and January, let's not forget, this defense was a key part of them winning a Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, and who knows, they could be right back in a, in a position to do so again this year. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week, I think, about uh, the Chiefs not getting the offense and defense on the same page at the same time. Again, we see it here. Mahomes, 15 to 29, 184 and a pick. The running game didn't do much. It's It feels like one, one unit of this team can be playing well at once. They're not allowed to have both the offense and the defense good at the same time. Maybe they'd be too overpowered, something like that. But, yeah, the defense is really stepping up recently. They were historically bad through that first month of the year. They're all the questions about them, probably justified, but they've really stepped up recently, holding the Broncos to nine points, who put up, what, 28 last week against LA. So they do their job. If the defense can keep playing like this whenever maybe the Super Bowl, it's probably enough to get them there. Um, assuming the offense at some point decides to start scoring points. Um, if you take out the defensive score, they put up 15 against the Broncos. So I'm not sure how much I trust them at this point, but I, I feel like they have to get it going. An offense with Mahomes can't be this bad continuously. Yeah, to be honest, I think we're careering towards a Bill Belichick, Andy Reid AFC Championship game for the what's that? This, that'll be the swim of the last day, 2018, when Tom Brady won on the road in Kansas City. I think we're heading towards that matchup. That's just my opinion at the moment. Uh, we'll talk about the Broncos for a second. They were pumped up heading into this game. They talked uh, Simmons and the secondary uh, on the telecast about how, you know, we've won some games, but this is the big one. You can't call yourself expletive until you've beaten the Chiefs. They don't do it. They had chances. Um, the defense was keeping them in, but the special teams they had a muff. And then the offense quarter, I mean, they went 12 players on 93 yards in the second quarter, um, only to have a offensive holding penalty in the red zone and then intentional grounding, stuff the drive. Um, they kick a field goal. Next time they get the ball, that was that famous 20-play yard where they – 20 play drive uh, where they go down, they convert it, I think, once on fourth down. They go for it on fourth and eight um, from the Kansas City eight, and they don't get it. So uh, Vic Fangio leaving, uh, leaving points out there. We understand how when you're playing the Chiefs, they always say you need touchdowns, not field goals, but at some level you have to take some points there, Gordo. And then then it just became the interception fest. I mean, first of all, Pat Mahomes is, is interception by Pat Satane Jr. who's had a great rookie season. Uh and then yeah, we mentioned Teddy Bridgewater picked off uh, one Thornhill returns it for 12 yards. And then, of course, uh, the big one, Dan Sorensen, 75 yards back um, for the score. I'm sorry, but I think the Broncos are done. And another season where you can very much argue, Gordo, what's cost them is just one position, and that's the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, if they make the, if they make the reported trade for Aaron Rodgers back on draft night, they're probably at least two or three wins better. They really are just, I mean, the offensive line hasn't been great. A lot of the time, Teddy's running around there, uh, running away from pressures. But even then, if they had someone like a Rogers or, I don't know, maybe a Russell Wilson next year, um, they're probably in with a real chance. But it just feels like, yeah, they're that one quarterback away. Everything else there looks pretty good. The skill positions look pretty good. Jerry Judy's really coming along. Fans playing all right. Sutton's a good receiver. Everything's there but the quarterback 
at the moment. And it feels like they're wasting the rest of these positions at the moment. And again, you've got to feel bad for Vic Fangio. He's waited all this time for a coaching job. His defense playing, you know, uh, lights out. And he just, I think he's going to be fired at the end of this year. And I think it's going to be very sad because he'd probably go and get a defensive coordinator job somewhere. And I hope he wins a Super Bowl. But all these years, I mean, he was back with Harbaugh in the 49ers when they got so close. Um, uh, and you know, he worked, of course, with the Bears and that great defense. But he's had so many teams where they just offense can't get on the same page. Um, and sadly, it looks like that could cost him his job. You look at Denver, they do play the Lions next week. So you, if they lose that one, then they're in trouble. Then Cincinnati, Vegas, Chargers, and Kansas City. So Cincinnati are tough. And then three uh, divisional games to come. I think, I think they can finish around 500, but don't think that'll be enough for a playoff spot. A uh, bit sad for the Broncos and the Chiefs, Gordo. Um, I'm sticking that I don't think they'll lose again, but they, because I've said that they'll probably lose next week. They have at the, uh, sorry, the Raiders at home. They lost to the Raiders in Kansas City last year. I think it was like 40 to 34 or something. At the Chargers on a Thursday night. Pittsburgh at home, America's game of the week. At Cincinnati and then at Denver to finish. So, um, you know, they'd be hoping to keep the, the streak up five in a row now. Uh, heading into the playoffs. Okie dokie, that wraps up uh, the Sunday slate of games. Take a quick look at the locks. Of course, we both lose. Um, Gordo took uh, the Ravens over the Steelers. I took the Vikings over the Lions. Six and seven, I am nine and four. So what's that? A three-game lead to Gordo. Uh, time to have a look at the playoff file. Now, we promote a team. We eliminate a team. The Texans, the first team to officially be eliminated. So Gordo and I both get a green tick next to that pick. Gordo made it in week four. I made it in week six. Uh, and we'll start with eliminations. Gordo, you can go first. You've eliminated the Texans, Jags, Lions, Dolphins, Jets, Niners, Giants, Seahawks, and the Browns last week. Um, who's on the chopping block this week? It's probably between the three AFC or NFC South teams outside the Bucks. I'm going to go with the Saints. Um, I just, that offense, it's just nowhere near good enough at the moment to get them anywhere. So, yeah, I've got to go with the Saints here. The, the other two are probably my next two picks. Indeed, I am going with the Panthers, and I agree with you. I think the Falcons, the Saints are improved. They've only got four more weeks after this week. Um, and then going into week 18, of course, after week 18, the playoff field will be set. Uh, promotions, Gordo, you've promoted the Cardinals, Bills, Bucks, Cowboys, Packers, Titans, Chiefs, Ravens, and Patriots. Who's next? Is it finally the week where you include the Rams? I think so. Um, they had that get-right game. I know it's against the Jags, but... I think it's enough to really spur them on, give them that momentum moving forward. And I don't see many others in the NFC catching up to them. Yeah, this is a tough one. I I think I'm going to have to add Baltimore. You had them last week. You look at their schedule going back, Gordo. Um, they play at Cleveland, Green Bay, at Cincinnati, the Rams and Pittsburgh. There's no losing teams there, but they are eight and four. So you probably think with two wins, they make it in. I'll have confidence in Lamar Jackson and that defense to get at least one more win. Um, I will take the Ravens to qualify for the postseason. That'll be every year uh, since Lamar Jackson took over his starter back in 2018. Credit to John Harbour and that franchise. Uh, we'll move on to seedings. Gordo, you can go first in these ones. Start with the AFC, a one, two, and a three. I think we pretty much agree on New England and Kansas City, but uh, who's your third pick? This is probably the toughest one. Um, yeah, New England one, Kansas City two. They're probably interchangeable. Um, both teams doing what they need to do. They're probably the clear two or top two at the moment. Um, look, you could probably pick any of 
five or six teams for this third seed and be able to justify it. Uh, Tennessee, maybe Baltimore had a pretty bad loss and an unconvincing win over the Browns. Buffalo are struggling at the moment. The Chargers had a really good week. So I think I'm going to go with the Chargers purely because they probably had the best week out of all the best of the rest. So probably LA at the third seed at the moment. And this won't surprise you. You didn't mention them in your best of the rest, but I've been hot on this team for a while now. I'm taking the Colts. Two weeks ago, I had them as the number three. They lost to the Bucks. I had to take them out. I put Baltimore in. They disappointed me. Um, I know the Chargers are a game ahead of the Colts, but um, tell me this team isn't built for to win games on the road in the playoffs. If they end up going to, I mean, it might be New England or it might say they finish the seventh season, they go to play Indian, uh, Kansas City or New England or Buffalo, whoever it is. We saw what they did on an outdoor game, you know, running the football. Carson Wentz can be efficient and not turn the ball over. This defense is up to it, Gordo. I really like the Colts as the third seed in the AFC. Yeah, look, they're a chance. Uh, I mean, currently they're, what, the ninth seed, but I think they probably will end up getting into a wild card spot. But then again, I mean, who's going to go out? So I think they're probably the only one from outside the top, or outside the current wild card that will get in if they do. So they're definitely a chance. They're playing good football. I just, I'm hesitant to do it because they're currently the ninth seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, don't, I think we agree that the Steelers aren't in there, but Perhaps the, I guess the Bengals can drop out. Again, it all depends on what we see the next couple of weeks. Anything can happen on any given week. NFC, Gordo, I think I had the Packers number one last week and I had the Cards two and the Bucks three. I know your Packers didn't play, but I put Arizona back up to the top. Um, they did win. They, they get a good win. Um, it's probably not fair since the Packers didn't play, but I took the Cardinals out of first place when they had the bye. I'm doing the same with the Packers. The first 10-win team, Arizona goes to one, Green Bay at two, and the Bucks remain at three. Yeah, I think I've got to do pretty much the same. I think the top three, I'd argue they're all probably equal, almost. Um, they've all got their strengths. They've all got their weaknesses. The Cardinals, I'm probably going to go at one. I saw a stat. It's incredible. They're, they've played seven games on the road. They've won all of them by double digits. Yeah, that saw that. unheard of, that sort of record on the road. So they're probably my one seed purely off that. They can win away from home really convincingly. Uh, the Packers and the Bucks. I mean... It's probably tough. The box they're playing pretty well, but the defense is questionable. The Packers, similar. The defense's last couple of weeks haven't been as good. I still, I still trust them. Um, we'll see what happens after this weekend. For every, the Packers have the Bears and the Bucks have the Bills. So, Tampa, we're obviously going to get a really good indication of where they're at. The Packers, maybe not as much, but it's a divisional match. So who knows? So a couple interesting games this weekend to really see where they're at. Yeah, I think it's more of a desperation game for the Bills, that matchup, but um, can't wait for it. Um, and you talk about those 10 wins, uh, sorry, all those I think seven wins or six or seven wins on the road. Now they've got their undefeated on the road and all by 10 points or more. The only other team to have done that, I believe, was the San Francisco 49ers back in 984, which is one of the best teams of all time. And you look at those road wins over the Titans, that was back in week one, they're eight and four now. The Jags, okay, they're no good. The Rams, winning record. The uh, Browns, they're 500. The Niners, they got their 500. Uh, Seattle, and then Chicago. I mean, sure, some of them are easy, but it is, I mean, going to another time zone most of these games and winning by double digits on the road uh, shows you how good of a team and why many people have Arizona in their Super Bowl at the moment. Okie dokie. We'll be back on Friday. A look at, what is that, week 14 now. We'll do a recap of the uh, Steelers and Vikings game. Just a quick word on that one, Gordo. Who you favour? I think Minnesota. 
Um, if, if Minnesota team shows up, um, Pittsburgh, I don't trust as much. Minnesota, at their best, is a very good team. And Pittsburgh, at theirs, I don't think they're as good. So I've got to take Minnesota, probably a close one, because it's the Vikings and they seem allergic to playing anything but close games. But yeah, Minnesota, 27-24. Uh, I've got to agree with you there in a close one. Um, I, I've kind of convinced myself that they're not going to fire Zimmer in season. I think they've got a bit more respect for him if they do it at the end of the year. But if they lose this one, gee, God. Uh, then again, Mike Tomlin, Big Ben, when backs against the wall, they tend to do some play some good football. But, um, yeah, i got to agree with you. I think maybe similar 24-21, a win to the Vikings. Okie dokie, that's it for today. Gordo, thanks for being with me. Indeed, and as always, links to the blog in the description, including link to Gordo's article on Trevor Lawrence and link to Twitter in the description. And uh, thanks to Kevin for music so much for fun crime. See you all on Friday. Bye-bye.